on our first deployment when we were stationed in Kuwait for that short period of time, they let us, I mean us, I mean the boots, I was a boot at the time, go and they kind of showed us how they do their patrol. I remember walking around some kind of garbage land on the ground. They were just talking about, hey, this is how you do it. So basically how they do their, their walkthroughs, uh, they, they would go through and 20 meters is basically their scan. They're looking for anything odd, a piece of paper out of place or an IED or something like that. But once they bring that into the five meters, it's a really good study of what that is. And it's pretty cool to think about your brain transitioning from that 20 meters to that five meters you're not stopping scanning everything else, but your brain is constantly going back to that item or whatever it is and back and forth until you get close enough. Welcome to another episode of On Your Lead. A point man in the military leads from the front, making the path clear and safe. My goal is to provide a point person or guide for you to follow to help you build confidence and locate the next steps you need to take to achieve the life you want. My hope is that you take those steps, then join us on the show to share your success so we can all follow on your lead. Welcome back to another episode. I'm here today with a great friend of mine, Jeremy Dotson. Uh, me and Jeremy both met first at, at First Recon back, and it's been over over 20 years ago. What's what's going on, Jeremy? Hey, how you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much. I appreciate you joining on. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. Man, if you could, uh, I'd love to just let everybody know a little bit about you, a little insight. And I love where you're at right now. Currently, uh, you've been a police officer for 14 years now. But let's let's get back to the start. You know, we met in the Marine Corps. Uh, what what got you to join the Marine Corps back when you did? Uh, well, first of all, so I'm I'm from a small town in uh, Mississippi, Senatobia is what it's called. It's just 32 miles south of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I I got into a little bit of a little bit of problems uh, here in my hometown, and uh, decided that going to the Marine Corps was a good option for me at that time. Uh, 2002 went in, uh, right after 9-11. So no problem getting in there. Um, went through boot camp, SOI, got the opportunity to try out for recon battalion, which I jumped on and loved it. And that's where I first met you and your smiling face. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I don't <laughs> I love you. You're probably the first person ever to join the Marine Corps after getting into no, it was, trouble. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably me and like one other guy. We just don't know who it is. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the did a couple of deployments with uh, First Recon Battalion. Then I did another deployment with Two Four. Uh, got out of the Marine Corps in 2006. Went to work for a small security company back. I'm sorry. And before we do that, man, I'd love to ask you too, just to unpack it, because we did. You did the initial invasion. Yes. Uh, with First Recon is uh, where we spent a lot of time together. Uh, we got back from that one. You did another deployment with First Recon. Mm-hmm. Yep. We were stationed at Fallujah, and then we spent some time up in Ramadi during that during that second deployment. Okay. Which Who were you with when you went to Fallujah? Uh, always Alpha. Always Alpha Company. Okay. Got it. And that was when we went off on the Mew. Yeah, you guys were gone. You, know, you guys were gone deployment. doing your thing um, at that time. You and Cody and well, it was funny because we ended up in the same. I mean, that Mew. We were supposed to go on this big, glorious boat ride. We were all excited, mm-hmm. and then we went basically straight to Kuwait, and they dropped us off and left well, us. But uh, that's what you get for believing. You know, the Marine Corps is going to send you where they tell you they're going to go. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's definitely if one thing holds true. Uh, that's what the Marine Corps yeah. does. And so, after that second deployment, um, what happened? You said you deployed again. So, uh, uh, without came recon. back and went to two four fox company 
Uh, they were supposed to start them, start the mew back up again. And we were supposed to go and do all these glorious, hit, you know, Singapore, Hawaii, Australia, all this stuff. We ended up going straight to Okinawa, staying at uh, Camp Hansen for the whole time. We did do the jungle warfare training there in Philippines. So that was pretty cool. But other than that, it was just a on base mew kind of thing. It wasn't great. Was it fun? But it was a good experience because I was a little bit, I had a little bit of rank at that time. So I had my own squad. So that was fun. Well, I'm sure coming in and having two deployments with first recon that probably elevated you to uh, uh, pretty high status on top of your rank. It it did, but it also was really fun because those dudes were pretty close to it, and they had gotten back from a deployment to uh, Iraq earlier that the year prior to. So a bunch of those salty PFCs and and lance corporals had had a lot of uh, experience under their belts. Oh, right on. And so what? I'm curious, just so everybody can know, because it's something that that I do know the answer to it, but it's something that just rubs me uh, the wrong way every time I hear it, man. But why did you end up going to the grunts after being a first recon? Well, when we got back off the second deployment I had, I don't remember exactly how much time I had left, but the option was for me to extend out and add time on my uh, four-year contract to go to BRC or to go to the next deployable unit. And he kind of was like, I said, I'm not extended. So I went to Okinawa. And that's just, it rubs me the wrong way because I know so many people that, that got OJT'd onto just being in recon or on the job training for anybody that doesn't know, but man, that's, you ran two deployments with us and I don't, I don't care what anybody says, uh, you're a recon Marine in my book. And uh, I know we can argue tooth and nail back and we forth, will. but, but it's true, man. Uh, you're a beast. Mm. And so. As you think about it, you went and did that. You got out of the Marine Corps, and then then what'd you end up doing? So I came back here, and there's not a whole lot of options, you know. Once you get out of the Marine Corps as a as a grunt, so I came back here and I started working security for a casino over in Tunica, which is about 45 minutes from where I lived at the time. Um, of course, me and my wife Brittany, and I had my first child by that time, Marley. And so I started working there. I worked there for a few years, uh, and just. It was not, the pay was not there. I had opportunity to come work for the Southern County Sheriff's Department in the jail. Uh, it was way more an hour than I was making over there. So I was like, yeah, I'll sign me up. I worked my butt off in the jail, stayed there for a few months. And they're like, hey, we got a worker here. Offered me the opportunity to go to patrol in the academy, which was like a $4 pay bump an hour. So I was like, yeah, can I go now? You know, so went and did that. Right. <laughs> uh, went and did that. I like patrol. Went, I was actually an FTO on patrol field training officer. Then I went into narcotics. I got on to a um, HIDA task force with a DEA, which the federal task force was pretty cool. I learned some good stuff down there. Came back, uh, started promoting, promoted to a sergeant, went to patrol night shift, promoted to lieutenant uh, on, night, on uh, days on patrol. And then I took over the criminal investigation division as a lieutenant. Then I got promoted re- most recently last year to captain where I have the criminal investigation division and also our special investigation division, which is all in narcotics, human trafficking, things like that. And also commander over the SWAT team. So all that long thing to say, I'm captain over investigative services. And that includes a SWAT team as well. It does. It it encompasses uh, the 24 man part-time team. We have three guys who are full-time, which includes my, my team leader and two guys, they do all of our maintenance, all our schools. They prep everything like that. They do a really good job for us. And then we also have 
couple of doctors. We have one ER doctor on our team and a couple of medics. And then the rest of the guys are part-time. They have jobs on patrol and criminal, you know, CID or fugitive. But when we have call-outs, they're all our 24 total is what we're supposed to have. But we think right now we're at 21. So. Hmm. Man, that's impressive. I, I love to hear where you're at and, and what you're doing and just constantly uh, kicking butt and taking names with, with everything that you do. I love it. And we were talking the other day about it and you referenced it and I, and I absolutely loved it. And this was what sparked me wanting to bring you on. But you mentioned um, back on one of the deployments that we were on, how the Brits had taught you uh, something that you used to this day. And, and it just, I, a huge light bulb went off to me and I wanted you to share it, but the 20 meter scan and the five meter study, would you mind sharing a little bit about what, what sparked that? Where did you learn it? Uh, how did that all come about? Sure. So what I believe happened is that we had on our first deployment, when we were stationed in Kuwait for that short period of time, they let us, I mean, us, I mean the boots, I was a boot at the time, go and they kind of showed us how they do their patrol. I remember walking around some kind of garbage land on the ground. They were just talking about, hey, this is how you do it. So basically how they do their their walkthroughs, uh, they they would go through and 20 meters is basically their scan. They're looking for anything odd, a piece of paper out of place or an IED or something like that. But once they bring that into the five meters, it's a really good study of what that is. And it's pretty cool to think about your brain transitioning from that 20 meters to that five meters excuse me, you're not, you're not stopping scanning everything else, but your brain is constantly going back to the item or whatever it is and back and forth until you get close enough. Like I, I think the, the analogy I use was driving down the road. You see something out in front of you. It's black on the ground. Your brain's starting to interpret it. You're not going to stop looking at the other cars on the road, the lines on the, on, on the road or Anything else, you're going to start going back and forth from that to you back and forth until it gets close enough where you can actually focus in on what it is and your brain determines what to do with it. By the time it gets super close, you're noticing it's a pothole, it's this deep, it's this wide, I really need to avoid this or I'm going to hit it. My wife, I think, does the opposite. I think she sees it and she's like, I'm going to hit that pothole. <laughs> that's something I mean, we always talk about uh, in what I do, what you focus on, you find, and that's kind of. You know, kind of guiding a horse. Oh man, she'll go where you're looking. She would drive straight through. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, that's what that's what the suspension and tires are made for. Yeah, right. Let's test this out. Yeah, Yeah, just test it out. (laughs) (laughs) And you said you actually teach this to your kids as well. I try to show it to them while they're driving down the road. I try to teach it to them when they're basically just looking at problems that they're dealing with. We talked a little bit about it. You know, you have a goal that you're you have in your mind what you want to do. It doesn't matter if it's 20 meters or 200 meters down the road or if it's going to college or what you want to major in. You know, you have a goal. You're always going to refer back to that goal as you're doing your task at hand. The tasks are going to get you to that goal. It's just you're constantly having to look there and look back to make sure you're on the right path and to see anything coming down the road that you might have to prepare for. Does that make sense? Mm. I love that. So if I'm hearing you correctly do you have an example no it makes perfect sense i love it i'd love to hear a real example of how you use it with your kids is that like the college prep is that something that y'all talk about we do we talk and, about and that. how you utilize it we we talk about that like hey one of my daughters wants to go into nursing so what do you need to do what's these steps up close we can get to get you to that goal at the end what 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 high school classes you can take what prep work in college you can take to get you to that nursing goal 
that's always the goal and you want to keep your mind focused on that but you don't want to lose sight of what's right in front of you so you're constantly going back it's kind of like the oob loop you know you're, you're constantly evaluating everything and going through kind of, kind of like the what i said loop i think the, i missed you for a second your, your loop you know you're obviously you're you're always uh observing things oriented and decided on how you act so it's it's that it's that constant uh, your brain constantly moving back and forth between what's far, what your goal is, and what's what's near, what your obstacles are. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. So taking it from the the Brits that used it for just scanning for IEDs, that hey, you're looking out, seeing this piece of paper, and then as it gets closer, you're not stopping monitoring everything else, but as it gets close, then you can start to really focus in. And what you utilize it now is the goal is that 20 meter scan, but don't lose sight of what what task you have to do right now today. Is that exactly exactly like basically what it is exactly like we we talked about it earlier with the running you know i I have a deep disdain for running and i've tried to work on that here recently as much as i can so i've set out my goal is the half marathon in may that's my 20 meters that's what i'm working to as obstacles come at me i try to take them on as i go so my obstacle day was a four meter a four mile run so i'm going to get that knocked out and then that's going to lead me to my next goal you know my next obstacle down the road Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I love the the idea, the example of the run, because even with something right there, and I love that you tied in your disdain for running, which, by the way, I know nobody else knows it, but he's posting up some really impressive times, and he's being very humble about it. Uh, but his times are impressive, to say the least. So he's being very humble about it. But I can definitely re- relate to that. And I think a lot of people that are listening could relate to it, too, that that if you throw the goal out there, what what is that that 20 meters out? And what tasks do you need to do today? Where do you need to be focused uh, to, to accomplish that, i.e. making that four-mile run that you got to go do? So I love that. So I really I really started off how I started running uh, was doing – I did one mile a day. Like that was – I needed to get – if I'm going to get to 13.1, I need to do one. So one, one a day, then two a day, and now three a day is the, less, the least amount I'll do is three a day. And that's kind of how I feel like, you know, I'm working towards that, but – knocking these small ones out to get to that big one. Mm. Uh, I love that. Well, and I think so many people have that analysis paralysis that we want to do the big thing, mm-hmm. but we lose sight of what needs to be done today to get there. And it kind of seems so far out, so far away that we're not going to do the little stuff. So I love that you even started there just with, with let me do one mile, one mile, one mile, and then we'll bump that up to two miles, two miles, two miles, and so on. So well, it's a lot. It's a lot of you. You talk a lot about this in your podcast. Is you know, win the day, win the small battles. If you can win something that's going to get you to that bigger goal, then then all those small things are going to add up for you. You know, you're, you know, it's like that. You see all these different people saying, you know, make your bed or do this or that. But if you can start a goal that gets you to that end, and you knock that small bite out, the next one can be a little bit bigger bite, a little bit bigger bite, until you're knocking down those thirteen miles. Yeah, I love that, and and being okay with starting at the at the one, and I love how you connected that. And uh, man, I just wanted to bring it back all full circle because I love that you had pulled that and remembered uh, what those Brits taught uh, oh so long ago. Man, it's just a beautiful thing, and how you use it uh, to this day with your family because I think it relates to to everything. And so, what what message would you send off to anybody that's kind of sitting back and don't know what what that twenty meters looks like? What advice would you offer up to somebody that that's seeking that that goal or what they want to do? What I would say is is just come up with something small that you want to change or you want to accomplish in your life, and then break that down even further. 
even if it's, uh, you know, I want to make it through this day. So, so I can use, I can use my, my wife in this and she won't mind if I talk about this, but she had a problem with uh, substance abuse at one point and she went through AA. So her goal was just to make it to the next day. So if that's your goal, just to make it to the next day, you can break it down. I can make it to this next hour. If I can make it to the next two hours, if I can make it to the next five minutes, I can make it to the next day. If you can take that next step in your run, you can run a mile. If you can take, if you can make one mile, then you can do two. It's just, you've got to build on it and it takes as small as you can start off to make, to make it bigger. And I love that. And I, I love how you tied in her goal too, because me and me and my wife always talk about just how powerful she is. I mean, she's, she's impressive with her uh, ability to, to watch us, you know, go get crazy and do our thing. And she's, she's an impressive woman. She uh, likes, she likes to watch, in. she likes to watch us go crazy. And then she's like sane. Oh yeah. Really? What is she, yeah. she just likes it. What does she like about it? She just likes how, how we act it, you know, and, and how we get back. It's, we slide back in <laughs> several years ago when we start getting like that. And I just had a, a conversation interview with, with a, she's a military uh, spouse and by the time this posted it'll, it'll already be posted up but she said the same thing she loves being around her husband whenever he's around his buddies just because she gets to hear some of those conversations and it's really given me an aha uh big takeaway about it but and back to what you brought up though i, I absolutely love it so setting out a goal mm-hmm. and and even if you you don't know what it is break it down to something really small and then just take that one step uh, so just take it that one step take that one step and, yeah. and being okay with that Take that one step, and I we'll love take that. two steps and three. And the beautiful thing too is, after you're on that path, you might take those steps, and uh, you're the the world will open up, and more things are going to become aware to you. Things that you couldn't see two, three steps down, one mile down, you'll have more things that'll pop your way uh, that'll yeah. actually jump into your five meter five meter scan, and and it's a yeah. beautiful thing. So I love it. And once you get in that twenty meters, you might see something twenty meters further away, and now your goal is changed, and you. You start to process over. Well, exactly. Well, that's the thing. After you do this May, this half marathon, I'm pretty confident you're going to jump in, do your full marathon, and we'll see. Be next step. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll get to this first one. But man, thank you so much for jumping on and taking the oh, time. Yeah. I know this; it really provided me a ton of value just in the the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about it. And so I know this is going to provide a ton of value for everybody else. Man, thank you so much, Jeremy. Anytime, man. One million veterans. Empowering one million veterans is my mission. My name is Thad David. And if you like this mission or this podcast, there's a few things you could do to help me out. And number one is just leave a five-star review and let the world know that you enjoyed this show. Number two, follow or subscribe the show wherever you're watching. And number three, share it with as many people as you think would find value in it. Now, if you have direct feedback for me, or if there's anything that I can do to personally help you out, please reach out to me directly at victoriousveteranproject at gmail.com. I truly look forward to hearing from you. Conquer today.